On today's show, it's Locked On Mavs meets Locked On Nets. What do you need to know about Kyrie Irving? What do you need to know about Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Vinny Smith? We have the answers to those questions. We'll talk about that and more on today's Locked On Mavs Nets crossover. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs and Locked On Nets your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. But the best way you can help us grow this show is to listen every day and to comment anything below. Let's try something new. Try something new. If you're listening to this from Locked On Mavs channel, Go and comment on the Lockdown Nets video. Some questions you have about Kyrie. If you're listening to this from the Lockdown Nets channel, come to Lockdown Mavs and ask some questions about Dorian Vinny Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. We'd be happy to answer them. Joining me, co-host of Lockdown Nets, longtime cover of the Brooklyn Nets and uh, frequent Flyer Miles enjoyer of crazy drama with star players. <laughs> Haver, what you got for me, Adam Adam Armbrecht? That's right. I dare you. I dare you, Mavs <laughs> fans. Try to ask me a question on the timeline. Watch yeah. what happens. See no, what else welcome to the hall, dude. This is, um, listen, yeah, this is uh, only familiar territory for, for myself and for Doug Norrie, man. Every two, two and a half months, something creeps up. We just went through, by the way, at the start of the year, obviously Kyrie Irving had the suspension. He comes back. They start playing. They go on one of the best runs that this franchise has ever had in the history of the organization. And Doug, I, I just said the other day, I go, man... It's like going to a cult party, <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid, everybody else drops dead, you somehow survive, and then you come back the next week and you're like, hey man, let me get another hit of that Kool-Aid. Like, you, 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 you always the, buy into it's it. It's the last of, have you watched The Last of Us or played that game? Uh, yes, I played the game. I have not dove so in if you're, yet. So if you're watching yet. Last of Us, right, they have this, there's this fungus that spreads throughout all the world and it makes, <laughs> yeah. and it makes people zombies and they got it from like eating flour, like something in the flour, like spread to everywhere. And like the main characters didn't eat the flour in the first episode. And in like, there's a couple of instances that drop. So yeah, you guys didn't eat the flour and then you're like, let me get some brownies. Let me, another, <laughs> let me get a uh, cookie. Another, let me get a bread. Another reason why having a gluten allergy has <laughs> yeah, really right. just saved my life in so many ways. All so the gluten ways. people survived apparently in the limb. Last of Us. Our immune systems are compromised, but we're here uh, today. We're gonna get into first segment. I'm gonna or, uh, I'm gonna ask Adam some questions about Kyrie Irving. Second segment, Adam's gonna ask me some questions about Dorian Vinny Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. And then third segment, we'll talk about all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about why the Mavericks made the best offer. If he thinks the Mavericks made the best offer, we'll talk about. Um, Markeith Morris, maybe he's he's also involved in this. Give some, some details he's on all, He's also in this in this trade. So we'll talk about that. Let's start with this. Let's. I'm gonna focus on on the court. I think we've talked a ton about on off the court and the risks that Kyrie has has you know that he brings, and it will continue to be a conversation. It'll continue to be a topic. But I want to know from you, what's Kyrie bringing on the court this season? What have you seen that's made him an All Star starter this year? And, and why has Kyrie been really good? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the thing that does get lost to stay completely away from the off-the-court things. It's Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in the game. He's easily one of the top. I don't, I don't care. We always talk about where do you want to put three, five, whatever. One of the top guards in the league. You instantly get now the best combination, best backcourt combination in all oh, of basketball by far, with Luke yeah. and Kyrie, like by far, right? Um, so when it comes to, you know, it's funny. I've been hearing a lot 
that, at least from some some talking points around, well, you know, how are they going to work together? And Luka is a very ball-dominant player. Is that going to is that gonna be okay? Adam, there's only one go, ball. <laughs> this, by the way, <laughs> it, once upon a time, people said that when it was Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and they had historic <laughs> offensive ratings with the three of them on the court together. Oh. So in that sense, it's funny because Kyrie already showcased how he need not he doesn't have he doesn't have to have the ball. He does not have to have the ball working into his spots on the court. You can get him that ball with six seconds on the shot clock and he will provide offensive power for you. Um, I, I just think that right now at 30 years old, he's in the pri- he's in the prime of his career. Yeah. And you can make a case the basketball that he has been playing this season, especially the last stretch before he made the trade demand, is the best basketball that he's played in his career. That is saying something. He's he's had some accolades in his career. He's he's made one of the biggest shots in NBA history. Uh, but yeah, saying that he's playing the best NBA offense of his career is is saying something. Uh, the, one of the big things I think that when people say, "Oh, there's only one ball," the, one of the things that the Mavs are bringing in or needed a second star for is when Luca's off the court. When yeah. Luke, I've said this number like eight times. I can't remember how many different places I've said it. Radio radio appearances and like different podcasts on this network. When Luca's on the court, the Mavericks' offense is 121 points per 100 possessions. That's insane. Like, so, so high. They're a great offense when Luca's on the court. When Luca's been off the court this year, 107 points per 100 possessions. Like, they've just been awful. When you look at Kyrie and Kevin Durant, when, when Kyrie's been on the floor and Kevin Durant's not, their offensive rating stays just about the same. How has Kyrie yeah. Irving carried the offense when Kevin Durant's been off the court this year? Yeah, it's funny, too, because in some of those instances, remember, the Nets have had kind of inconsistent play from Joe Harris, from from Seth uh, Curry. Yeah, like it's like, you know, two games on, three games off. When they're on, it's great. Even Royce O'Neal, who has been asked to do significantly more than I think the Nets intended when they sent a first round pick to Utah for him. When he's on, it's six of eight from beyond the arc and then also one of nine. Right. So in the absence of. Kevin Durant, like you can talk about games have been clunky up and down without him five and seven records since he went down with the injury. But Kyrie Irving, this is what I mean about how flexible he is offensively. When Kevin Durant is playing, they would start out the games together, then flex away from one another and allow Kyrie Irving to operate. And Kyrie kind of has the ability to go from off ball facilitator floor spacer, which is, you know, such a minimalist request from him (laughs) to ball dominant. He can bring the ball up the court, set up the offense, find spacing, even on a team that's had bad perimeter play at times. Now, they've been good over big stretches, like I said, but you have a total zero right now in Ben Simmons. Nicholas Claxton, pick and roll big, can get at the basket, but he's not doing anything from anywhere else on the floor. So there is, there's plenty of opportunity for congestion from opposing defenses. Kyrie Irving's ability to get downhill and attack at the basket and finish with some of those acrobatic moves that we've seen that's a part of the value that I think he brings too. So if you're talking about splitting these two guys up for big stretches, you now have a guy who, regardless of who else is on the court, it's like Luca. Doesn't matter who's on the court with Luca. Luca's going to get his. That's what Kyrie Irving is. Like I don't, I don't feel like I should have to express that towards the Mavs fan base or anybody, but it does seem like that's gotten lost of how good Kyrie Irving is on the offensive end. And it's that point you make about how he can transition from off the ball floor spacer to on the ball, I'm going to get mine. I can go get a bucket because this Mavs offense is basically just one guy isos and tries to do stuff and everybody else stands around and spaces the floor and maybe sets a screen and rolls. And by the way, for so from a Luka standpoint, when he is on the court with him, this is going to be the best player that's ever been on the court with Luka. Absolutely. So think about the respect now that defense is like, it's not going to be how much attention do we want to pay to Luka and we can throw double teams or do whatever we want to be disruptive. 
there is now this other legitimate high level threat at all times waiting. So go ahead, like work your switches, work your pick and rolls, try to get the better matchups as soon. And by the way, most matchups are bad on Luca or on or on Kyrie yeah. Irving. So that's going to be a big factor, I think, in the I would say, you know, the this is a silly one to point to, like fatigue factor. When you are doing like the offensive lift and you have yeah. to battle those, Kevin Durant experienced this in stretches. Whereas if you don't have anybody else, when Kyrie wasn't playing and Harden was gone, it was, yeah, guess what? By the end of the fourth quarter, I'm kind of gassed, like high leverage minutes all the way through. Now you get to take a lot of that off of Luka for big stretches as well, which is going to be a big benefit to him. I've made the point that Kyrie is now the best scorer, shooter, passer, uh, dribbler driver like that lucas ever played with like all those yeah. things like think about all the things you do with the basketball he is the best at, at any of those things like best shooter best passer best scorer like by far if you if you think about the guys he's played with one more question about Kyrie is he's when he's been in the clutch with with the the nets they have 121 offensive rating the mavericks only have 110 when lucas on in on the floor in the clutch it's to the point that you made that lucas just been gassed by the end of games because he's carrying so much what have you seen from Kyrie in the clutch this season carrying the nets yeah he's actually been phenomenal like in late fourth quarter moments he's been able to do it now i separate i compartmentalize from when kevin durant's been out although you don't have to, you can go through those 13 games or 12 games without kevin durant and still see Kyrie irving doing it but he fell prey to the same thing that luke has been experiencing hey if i have to run this thing all game long what i've liked about Kyrie, especially in tandem with kd which is probably the best way to look at it with another superstar yeah. talent He's done a really nice job of kind of picking his spots. One of the things that we saw with consistency was at the end of second quarters going into halftime, that's when Kyrie Irving would dial it up. He would get back to back three possessions in a row, attacking at the basket, knocking down some heat check threes, which I think Luca is also a fan of getting a little bit oh, deep behind, very, yeah. behind the arc. <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter, it's like he, he understands Kyrie Irving understands and is very capable of attacking the high leverage moment with the right decision. Now, as with any superstar, and I think especially with backcourt superstars, they like themselves some hero ball. And that's not a bad thing because you always take, you know, the down with the upside. Adam, but, Adam that's the entire Mavs offense is hero ball. They were running well, hero ball yeah. with McKinley right the other night when there was nobody. Well, in the, so, he's going to love this. He's going to love the Mavs. example. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have Kyrie Irving hero ball? Like, right, well, like, so right. That's, that's what you're getting, though. Right. When you need to just go to it. You, you feel a lot more confident. Um, again, I just think when you, when you talk about late fourth quarter sequences, Kyrie Irving with his step back, he, ha he has, uh, you know, has that jab step to create space for himself on the perimeter. He also has the ability with his on ball dribbling to pull a defender in and know that he, he can almost across the board get by anyone going towards the basket. And I, and I think the additional benefit you know, it's like, I know we'll talk about going the other way with Spencer Dinwiddie, but when you think about all the skill sets that Spencer Dinwiddie was bringing to the Mavericks and why you liked him and why he's a quality player, just go ahead and multiply them by three or four times. And that's what Kyrie Irving is capable of doing. So it's also getting into the paint in those late closing sequences and then finding perimeter shooters, finding and setting up very easy looks for teammates, which I think is going to help the Mavs too. Oh, absolutely. This team is now the best offense in the NBA, I think. By, by a good margin. I'm, I'm going to have a countdown on my Twitter at Nick Van Exit. I'm going to have a countdown on my Twitter to see how fast the Mavs go from seventh right now in the NBA in offense to first because I think it won't take very long. Coming up, Adam's going to ask some questions about me. What about Spencer Dinwiddie? What about Dorian Finney-Smith? What do you need to know? We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar's protein bar. Tastes like a candy bar. Low calorie, high in protein. And right now, you got a bunch of different options for you. They have the brownie batter puff. Have you had this bar yet? 
Oh, it's delicious. Isaac, so fluffy. Isaac got it in uh, Sam's Club the other day in Dallas. Uh, you can get them in. You can get them in uh, in Sam's Club. You can get them in Walmart now. They have Valentine's Day boxes. I don't know what's in this. I'm gonna click on this, and I, I could be surprised here. Ooh, you get six brownie batter puffs and six double chocolate bars. You get to try the puffs as well as the chocolate. So if you want to try something like that, go check it out on Built.com. You can also go to Sam's Club, go to Walmart, see what's available for you there, and uh, try the promo code locked. 15 try the promo code locked on see if it still works i can't can't make any promises uh go check it out it's built.com don't whisper that to anybody working <laughs> i whisper it so they don't hear it at the end uh all right adam armbrecht thanks for making locked on mavs and locked on nets your first listen today go check out the nba trade deadline show it's coming on nba trade deadline i'm gonna be live with some hosts talking about the moves that have been made on the locked on nba youtube channel starting at 2 eastern time that's 1 p.m texas time to hear about what's coming up in the NBA season. So subscribe to Locked NBA on YouTube so you don't miss a deal. What you got for me, Adam? Well, so the one thing I am curious about, you know, from a, let's start with Spencer Dinwiddie, who the Brooklyn Nets and the fan base are very familiar with. So it's pretty easy to say the Nets are losing. Obviously, Kyrie Irving is a tremendous talent. And they were already a thin team in their backcourt and from a ball handling standpoint. So at, at least at this moment, <laughs> as the deal with the Mavericks has become official, Spencer Dinwiddie now locks into being the starting point guard. What... Have, did you see in his time in Dallas that would suggest an improvement over what he was when he left Brooklyn and then ultimately made it there via the Washington Wizards? He's like an elite shooter now, right? Like when you when last time when last we saw when last we heard from Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn, like he was he was a good scorer. He had that that one year he scored twenty points a game, but he was shooting like 31 percent from three. Right? It's like. He can get to the rim. He can score at the rim. That's what you love about him. He's 6'6", so he can get to the rim and finish around guys. But he's just not as good of a spot-up shooter, not as good of a pull-up shooter as you'd like. He was incredible for the Mavericks. Like, deep pull-up threes, catch-and-shoot threes, anything that was available to him, he was hitting. I mean, these are like heat-check threes he's hitting at some points. Like, big threes and big moments for games this season and last and into the playoffs. Like, go look at... He daggered the he daggered the Nets in Brooklyn. Go he daggered yeah. us at the, and a buzzer beater to beat us. It was brutal. He did. He had that, and then he had the game winner against the Celtics that very next game. He had like two game winners in a row when he first got traded. And then go look at Game Seven against the Suns. He was. It wasn't Brunson. Everybody talks about Brunson. He was the one that scored the most in that game after Luca. And so he just became this elite shooter, which just took his game. It's so wild. If you just become go from thirty to forty percent from three, you just become such a more dangerous scorer and like. And I know he's only scoring like 17.7 points a game. The one thing that you really wanted from Spencer Dinwiddie with the Mavericks is to be more aggressive. I feel like everybody was asking for that. Jason Kidd at the beginning of the season was saying, you know, we just want Spencer to be Spencer. And I I asked him two different times, what does that mean? Explain that. What does Spencer mean? Spencer be Spencer. What does that mean? And like he would say some stuff. He would say guard like things. He just said we want him to attack, to be aggressive, blah, blah. But everybody wanted him to be aggressive. And we saw a couple times when Luka was out, the Mavericks never won. But Spencer did when he stepped up and he scored 36 points two, twice in a row. And he can step up and, and carry an offense a little bit and, and get some scoring going when the Mavericks just didn't have any other plan and nothing else going. So the other thing is Spencer Dinwiddie got hurt three games into the season. So when he was with, when Kevin Durant was here, you didn't get to see that combination on the court. What do you expect the difference will be Spencer Dinwiddie playing alongside Kevin Durant as opposed to playing alongside Luka? I'm curious to see 
how Dinwiddie works off of a guy that's better off the catch. Luca is for all right. that Luca is amazing and great and does all the great things and help me buy this house. Oh, nice, all, knock him, knock your superstar. Do it. He no. This is a this is a Mavs fan thing that they will they will readily offer up. He cannot hit a catch and shoot three to save his life. He can hit. He started to take step backs when he gets a catch and shoot three. He'll just do this. <laughs> step. He honestly has. He'll take a step back instead of just the straight catch and shoot three. And so catch, step and shoot. That's a classic. It's a classic basketball play <laughs> to see Spencer Dinwiddie. He's, he's had some success. He's averaging like five assists a game. He's had some success with kicking out to some shooters. The Mavs create a bunch of open threes. And so I think he learned a lot from watching Luca and being around how Luca can create these open threes for a bunch of guys. I'm curious how he works off Kevin Durant in that way with when he has the ball and Durant is obviously like the best spot up shooter in the, in the world. And so how he works off of that, um, I've been frustrated at times with Spencer Dinwiddie's work off, like work on the ball when he is like dribbling. He like ISO, ISO, ISO. And I'm like, there's a player under the paint, hit him, like hit it, hit him right there. Or there's a guy open for three and he doesn't. Uh, But I'm interested to see how he works with Kevin Durant in that way, because it just wasn't, it just wasn't there with him and Luca. No, and that's what, yeah, I find it interesting because Spencer, towards his end of his Brooklyn career, was like, was coming off the bench, coming off the bench, then gets inserted, and then you start to see this glimpse of, oh, if you elevate. And I think that's always the question around guys that have a smaller role on a team, and if they get that opportunity, right? It's not this one-to-one of, like, then everything just gets exponentially better. But it happened with Spencer, like, it happened with Spencer Dinwiddie. And I'll be fascinated to see how that plays, and then also, because we don't know from a Brooklyn standpoint what is going to happen maybe next year, but the pieces around him. How does he work with some of those guys? When he was there, the the Nicholas Claxton um, combo was nice, too. Like, Spencer loves him some lobs around the basket, at least going back to his Brooklyn time. So that'll be interesting as well. On the Dorian Finney-Smith side of things, um, we can say this into the third segment if we want to, just as far as like I think the overall perspective here. But I know, as I was doing the live on YouTube, going back to when the trade request was made and correctly identified the Maz, which I remember, yeah. I don't know if you recall. Do you remember this? Do you remember that I asked you from like, like last? Two, from like two days off- ago. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Do you remember like two days ago? No, in the off season, I had said like, is Kyrie a guy that the Maz would ever be interested in because it was like looking for these pieces because they had the same negotiations and they broke yeah. down. So when this ultimately went through, when you and I talked, it was, ah, listen, you want a little Tim Hardaway Jr. We'd like to unload <laughs> Christian Wood if we could. And the two names that were like, it was no, 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 if it's Spencer Dinwiddie and there is no world where I want to lose Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh. So when this came through, I was like, sweet, sweet baby, you know, it's a good, <laughs> you know, it's quality. If the Mavs are disappointed in this, but, but what is Dorian? Why are you so disappointed to lose Dorian Finney-Smith? Let's frame it that way. Some of it is personal, like that I just sure. love Dorian. His, his first year in the NBA with the Mavericks, he's undrafted out of Florida. He joins the Mavericks, you know, tra- like training camp squad and eventually gets a spot on a team that just wasn't any good, but he could defend. And then he eventually just worked his way into becoming a really good three-point shooter. And so that first year, his rookie year, was my first year covering the team in person. And so, like, I literally have, like felt like I've grown up with him and watched his game and watched him go from a bench guard, a bench wing that can't shoot and can't really do anything on offense to a forty minute per game, like leading the NBA in minutes it played in the playoffs. He's a guy that went from all right, how do we find minutes for Dorian Finney Smith to how do we get Dorian off the floor? Like, we can't get Dorian off the floor because he's been so good in these playoffs. And so. It's just one of those guys, some of it's personal, but also he's a really solid defender. He's not going to complain about not getting the ball. He's going to be there, catch and shoot. He's actually really good uh, rebounder. He gets like, he'll get like an off one or two offensive rebounds a game that you don't expect. He'll, he'll throw some putback dunks here and there. He's just an incredible guy, a great guy to have in the locker room. And you just really appreciate everything he brings. 
Do you think that um, when you look at the Nets roster, obviously in the short term, Ben Simmons, he's going to be out at least in the short term. Uh, you have Kevin Durant being reevaluated. Obviously, yes, Dorian Finney-Smith can carry a little bit of load. But when you look at the Royce O'Neals and the Joe Harris's of the world, where would you put Dorian Finney-Smith in terms of his overall value on both ends of the floor? The Brooklyn Nets objective here is creating balance behind Kevin Durant, which was kind of what the offseason goal was, even with Kyrie Irving. They made some right moves here, taking a chance on TJ Warren, Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal. Is Dorian Finney-Smith a guy that you say, hey, you can slot him in as the sixth best player on this team, seventh? Like, Where do you put him in for his overall game with consistency? Man, he's a difficult player to try and say like best because there's he's a certain skills in the NBA he's really good at and certain skills he just doesn't have. He's he's tried to add an off the dribble game where he pump fakes and drives and he'll do a couple a couple of those here and there. But like he he's not gonna he's not gonna be the best passer. He's not gonna be the best like driver. He's not gonna be he's not gonna pull up shoot ever. <laughs> so if you're trying to say who's the best player, uh, I think for them a Royce O'Neal Dorian like Durant Claxton with maybe Dinwiddie as the, the starting point guard. Like, I feel like that's a really good lineup. That's, that's a really yeah. big lineup. You've got three defenders there plus Claxton in the, in the you got three wing defenders plus Claxton in the paint. Like, I feel like that's just a really good lineup that you can win some games with. Yeah, I like the defensive. I like the defensive value of Dorian Finney-Smith. When you think about Seth Curry's been in there in the backcourt at times, obviously with the absence of other players, Joe Harris is just looking like a shell of himself at this point. So, in a lot of ways, hey, if you can shoot a bit of perimeter and you have defensive length and consistency, like that's a good another piece to add in. It is a little bit, I'll say, disappointing. Not that you can <laughs> cherry pick everything you need here when you're losing Kyrie, but it's disappointing of like having another player that doesn't have any on-ball, you know, creative ability yeah. on the offensive end because Royce is. Like like borderline capable sometimes, but mostly not. And then Curry is so small and a liability defensively, right? So it does become this cherry picking thing where my personal preference would be <laughs> the perfect all around player that could do everything somebody, you need. But I'm, I'm ecstatic to have him. Somebody um, on Twitter, I, I think it was Josh Eberly posted like, oh, what should the Mavs do next? Or who's the next move for the Mavs? And somebody's like, oh, they got to get somebody that can shoot. They just got to get a role player that can shoot, dribble, and defend. And I was like, those are stars. Like, don't. Those are, right. those are star players now in the NBA. Like, you can't get somebody that checks all three that is not either asking. That somebody was like Jeremy Grant. Like, he just asked for $46 million a game. Like, or yeah, for $46 million dollars a season. Uh, coming up, we'll go back and forth. We'll, we'll ask a question here or there. We'll ask about Markeith Morris. We'll ask more about Dinwiddie and, and Dorian. <laughs> he's the... He's, He's the throw-in tease at the end here. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You can go and pick two to six players if they score more or less than their Prize Pick projections. In uh, its points, it's like yards thrown, it's rebounds, whole bunch of different stuff. You can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. I know, Adam, that you are a, a football guy. You cover the you cover the New York Football Giants. That's correct. Um, right now, Patrick, you can get Patrick Mahomes 0.5 yards thrown. Like, that's a gimme. <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Lock it in. All right, more on Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts, 238.5 yards thrown in the Super Bowl. More or less. No, under. No, less. Go less on that one. Uh, yeah. But you can actually, there's actually, Patrick Mahomes' actual number is 250. 
or 285 and a half, but there's one going for a couple days here where you can get it 0.5. So with the ones I just said, put down 20 bucks, I can win 70. If you put down a hundred bucks, I can win 350 bucks just on the NFL. You can add NBA to that as well. You can add all kinds of different things. It's super fun on prize picks. Download the app, go to prizepicks.com to play daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code locked on. That's one word locked on to get a hundred dollar instant deposit match. Um, hit 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Works either way. Go check it out. It's prizepicks.com. All right, Adam, let's go back and forth. I'll ask a question. You ask a question. We'll ask about some of these other players and some of the other things we want to know about these teams. Uh, I'll ask you about Markeith Moore since I've teased it now like three times and I probably should never have mentioned it. Okay, well, because I, I have a stat here. I have a couple of stats around Kyrie Irving too when you, when you want them to tell you why um, he's having one of his best seasons. So Markeith Morris. First of all, can he play? He's shooting. Not that I know of. He's shooting the best of his career. What's like? How did he end up not being in the rotation basically for the Nets? Yeah, I, I think when he when they brought him in, he was a veteran player, and I, I got a little bit more excited about him than Doug did because I thought you need a little more physicality, right? And he was going from being a four. You say, okay, let's start to slip into being like an undersized five. But the bottom line is, is I don't, I don't Nicholas, like that. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, he's not a, playing. He, yeah, you're not playing him. He's not a power forward for you if that's what you're dreaming on. Oh, that, I don't those, like that that's, phrase. Yeah, that's way that's way gone. Um, defensively slow. Um, the perimeter shooting wasn't pretty uh, when he was on the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, he's not getting consistent minutes, but I, I just think it's a veteran player. I, I wouldn't. It's interesting because Sean Marks guaranteed his contract for the rest of the year. Yuda's and I think maybe Edmund Summers, they all got their little guaranteed money. So I find I do find it interesting that he got like guaranteed and then was like, and we'll go ahead and send you over uh, to the Mavericks. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not trying to poo poo it, but there's just nothing really there to get excited about from a Mavs standpoint. I, I would I'd be shocked if he was cracking into your rotation in any significant way. Uh, when's the last time you looked at the Mavericks rotation at, at this point? Yeah, that's well, true. Yeah, no, to be fair, to be fair, uh, they have no four. They have no fours on the roster, so <laughs> maybe that's... I guess what would it what would it look like? What was what's your God? Where could he slot in reasonably? Uh, like this is interesting to me to think about it from the standpoint of like the Brooklyn Nets who had a lot who have. If you're just putting out your best players, right, your best collection of talent, Markeith Morris was not going to crack it. By the way, there's been games for the Brooklyn Nets where Patty Mills has come in and like shot three of five from beyond the arc. He's also grossly undersized and gets, you know, absolutely ripped apart on switches defensively, but he can play. It's just that it's there's not value in your stat lines because it doesn't move the needle in terms of wins or losses or from a matchup standpoint. I guess what do you got? Tim Hardaway Jr. Reggie Bullock. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you so. talk about no fours like Christian Woods, a five Sorry. Dwight Powell's a five <laughs> Max and Kleba can play four, but he's injured right now. He may not come back till after the all-star break. And I'll, I'll put it this way. Maybe, maybe you're getting a benefit of having some injury issues around the roster. And Markeith is a nice little inning eaters for you in the short term. And that's not a bad thing. Like you do need those bodies here. Um, but yeah, it, not, it, nothing it, to blow your skirt up. It's him. Or- <laughs> Are we still allowed to use that? Phrase? Is that not? I don't know. <laughs> oh, by the way, sorry. Uh, listen, we're going to talk about some other stuff here, but there's a couple of things. First of all, let me give you real stat stuff so that, so that I you know show my worth and value uh, to your fan base. So uh, Kyrie Irving this season is knocking down 57% of his shots from two point range. 57% highest percentage of his career. He's also averaging 27 points per game. That w- That's good right now. He's 0.3 behind his best career seasons, which were last year mm. and then three years ago in uh, his first season with the Brooklyn Nets. So, like, again, by the numbers, 
he's doing it at the highest level he has ever done. And even if you go back to that championship year, like that's still a year and it's not knocking it, but he's at, you know, he's having 20 points, 24 points a game. Like he was still coming on at that stage of his career. This is the prime of Kyrie, whatever he's going to be for you. This is going to be the best version of it. I do have, um, my, my, one of the questions I was curious about is what is the intention by the Mavericks? So you give up a first round pick, you give a couple of key players up. They have to go make another move. If they don't, I don't like, this can't be the only answer to what you're doing with how thin your depth is, is the intention to go ahead and give him the two year max $80 million. Cause that seems to be like the way the wind is blowing on this, but like is Cuban committed to Kyrie Irving being here beyond this season and this rental? Well, with, with Mark Cuban, with Kyrie Irving cubes, anything can happen. I, th- I think what I think they're doing is they have already said, they're not going to talk about a contract extension until the end of the season. They're going to see how this goes. So, which is insane because he wouldn't wait with the Nets to talk about it. How but, could how could that go wrong? I don't know. Oh many, God. many different ways. So, uh, but they haven't said the end of the season. Actually, the report was not necessarily the end of the season. It's we're gonna we're gonna wait on that to see how things go. That was the that was the report. So that could be two weeks, it could be a month, it could be whatever. Um, they can extend him now. They also, if Kyrie Irving leaves and they let go of Christian Wood, they don't do anything with him, they get rid of uh, they let D- Dwight Powell go uh, for his money. They somehow get off of Tim Hardaway or Davis or Davis Bertans, either one of those. Right. Then they have max money in free agency. So it could be like a hedge. Like, all right, we'll try this Kyrie experiment. If it doesn't work, we'll just cut ties with everybody. Start over. Try to get a new star to come with Luca and do that. So like that's one of their that's like that's like their plan B. Their plan A is it works out. Kyrie's Kyrie stays, they re-sign him for like a three-year deal, is what I what I've I've heard that people have talked about. And then uh, yeah, and it works. And then it works. And then then next, then at the at the draft, they'll have two more picks, two more first round picks available that they can trade for other stuff. And I think Luca plus Kyrie plus a good defense can win you a title. I, I think they just need, they're like one good set defensive center away from winning a title, in my opinion. How panicked? How panicked were the Mavs around Luca and like where this was trending? Because I, like. Yeah, there was the report a couple of weeks ago that Tim McMahon had on ESPN that said that the, that Luka Doncic is putting pressure on the front office. And the question that I asked when that came out was, "How much pressure? When will we know how much pressure he's putting on them?" And guess what? And I said, "The first, the next, the very next move they make will tell us how much pressure they're actually under." Here we are. They, they took on Kyrie Irving, like literally the most polar, the most polarizing player in the NBA. They took on. They traded a first for him, and they sent Dorian, a great culture guy that was a, a guaranteed starter, and Dinwiddie, who had been playing really, really well for you. So I think there was real pressure on him. And yeah, I don't know what what the pressure is coming from as far as like I don't think Luca's threatening to leave. Like I don't think it's that kind of pressure, but I think it's more so. Luca's just playing so well that of course you got to make moves. Like you got to try stuff. You got to be risky. They are they risk with the Porzingis trade. Now they're risking with this. Maybe they they hedge on it and they get their plan B and they try with somebody else in the offseason, but they've got to make some moves because Luca's just too good and the West is so wide open. Like the Grizzlies are the number two team in in the West right now and they've lost eight of their last nine. But that feels like the pressure too. Like beyond Luca, it's like the pressure is is that you can go and do something this you year. You can do this. Like the West yeah. is open enough. Like, and that's probably as much of an onus as anything. Like, if it looked differently, if the Clippers came out looking as strong as they should have, if LeBron and AD and all this stuff, then you go, yeah. ah, listen, we're kind of in the middle of the pack here. Is it really worth it in the short term? But it seems like the West is just open enough to go do it. Which may, I, I, maybe that's a part of why the Nets felt like 
again, they were they were done on both sides with the relationship. But the idea of like, hey, like the East is going to be a, a gauntlet no matter what. So there's no guarantee yeah. even with Kyrie. You're better with him, but there's no guarantee. Um, any other questions you want to pick my brain about? Uh, I do kind of want to know what was the feeling when with Brooklyn Nets fans when you first acquired Kyrie compared to now when you're shipping out Kyrie? Because it does seem like this happens with him where you're like, oh, we're really excited. We're talking ourselves into it. And then we're like so ready to ship him out. And like I expect that for the Mavericks at some point too. But what was the feeling and how is it different? Yeah, I think so. Like if you were if you were a fan of Kyrie, like just of his game, then it didn't matter. Like, you know, what For happened, sure. what happened when he wanted to leave Cleveland, what happened in Boston doesn't matter. It only matters now that you're on my team and he's like a local guy. He's from the area. So you get a segment that's just going to stand for him and it's great. And I think the same thing is true when he got traded. If you're on his side of things, then you look at it as all the mistakes the organization has made, which, by the way, they have. And then the, the other cut is this guy's been unreliable and consistent, et cetera, et cetera. At the time of the signing for Kyrie, because we knew that it meant the KD was imminent. I remember saying like, wow, I'd prefer if I could just get KD. Like if we're just, <laughs> if we're just putting out what we'd like, but I understood one thing begets the other. And for me personally, when they made the trade, Doug posed the question. He said like, what was your, what was your initial instant reaction? I said relief. And it's not even about anything to do with Kyrie from a personal standpoint, but it was just, we've done three and a half years of this. At some point, you yeah. just want to be focused on something different. The team is not as good as they were prior to trading Kyrie. And that's okay. So like, and I think it can be good for Dallas. Like dude, they, they, some of his best games, some all-time performances, we got to watch Kyrie in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. So you're going to have all those moments. It's just that there should always be something. It might be an ulcer. It might just be like a fear <laughs> in the pit of your stomach, but something's going to grow inside the Mavericks fan base. If things don't quite go well, I think the good news is like, you don't have to worry about the rest of the season, right? Like you get to take this ride all the way through the playoffs, however far it goes without any concern of something coming up. I think, think and that may be a little bit naive of me that's the thing about Kyrie is you just never know it's a it's a roller coaster you, you don't know where where it's gonna go next and uh yeah you can follow it all on lockdown maps you can go and check out us if you want to go listen to lockdown nets five day a week daily podcast talking about these teams guys we appreciate you hanging out with us on lockdown maps lockdown nets peace out boom <laughs>